Hey friends, good morning. So for our members and folks that regularly attend here, I'm usually taking this podium at dismissal time, so don't get your hopes up yet. Um, but visitors, uh, welcome to you. I'm Rick Benefield. I'm a lay elder here at Redeeming Grace. Our senior pastor is on a planned sabbatical for a couple of months. Our associate pastor, uh, Pastor Jeremy, is on a planned vacation, um, and they were looking for somebody to do this today, and I drew the straw. I don't know if it was a short one or not, but... So we're going to be in Ruth. We're continuing in that book, Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And uh, as you find that in your Bibles, a bit of introduction and revisiting where we had been in the book. So this is a captivating story we have found in Ruth, a story that sheds much light on application in our own lives, but also it's revealing much about who God is. So I want us to keep that focus. We see this story unfold where Uh, There's favor being shown for God's people, care being given to God's people, and God was there during the writing of this story. By his Holy Spirit communicating his word to us in this book. It's the same God has brought us here today to hear it, to hear from it, and to respond to it. I hope you're prepared to experience that almighty God, El Shaddai, here today. And so that we might express our reverence for the reading of his word, would you stand with me as I read from Ruth chapter 2. Beginning in verse 4, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men to not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants." And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed the roasted grain to her. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her. 
and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Pray with me. Our fathers, we hear from your word this morning. We pray that you reveal yourself to us and how you have worked through the lives of those in this story, the lives of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and all the others. And Lord, that we see clearly your hand, your sovereign hand at work as you are the providential provider, protector, and the one that gives refuge to us. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So again, a little bit of review about what has captivated us in this story, this story that surrounds Naomi and the recent transition that she and her daughter-in-law Ruth have had in coming to Bethlehem. So these two were essentially destitute, right? They've been enduring famine over the land for a number of years, and they were likely traveling without little provision, with little provision, and also all of that without a husband, either of them. So to ground our start today, let's reflect on a key phrase from last week where Pastor Jeremy preached uh, up through verse two, uh, verse 3 here. And this is speaking of Ruth in verse 3. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. You remember that from last week? We're going to reference that a few times today in this message, even though it's not part of this passage, but it informs us and inclines us to think about God's work and God's hand here. It addresses God's hand and his work in caring for these women. women. And that God and the God that Ruth decidedly sought to call her God. Remember that from last week also. Not God of the Moabites. This is the God that she claimed as the one true God. And sure, these events may not have been expected. Um, we may have seen that uh, there's a love story that's forming. Uh, if you know the rest of this book, you'll see that unfold. But we also are to see the providential hand of God through this. The same providential God that saw to the events in this book is the same providential God that cares for you today. So a little bit of insight into our outline from this passage today. Three points. They told me I had to have three points. Um, so we're going to look at God's protection his providential provision, and his providential refuge. So we'll see that teased out in this passage today. But also to help frame our thinking about his providential hand here, look at verse Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. So that gives us some insight as to the work of God in all things. But what about his protection Remember that these two women have been traveling for some time now, and they arrived in Bethlehem without any husband and probably no men at all by their side, enduring famine, and they had very little in regards to personal belongings. They were vulnerable. Their lives were likely at great risk, traveling up to 10 days from Moab to Bethlehem, and here arriving at Bethlehem, still vulnerable. But after arriving... They sought to act quickly, especially Ruth, right? Ruth goes out to the field immediately to glean the harvested grains. You see that back in verse 3 again. She happened to come to the field, the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Ruth happened there. 
by chance of chances, she happened upon the field of Boaz. Pastor Jeremy gave us insight last week about the narrator's use of that term, happened, last week. A bit of a poke by the author. No, this was reflecting on God's providence, God's sovereignty. This wasn't an accident. We are to understand that in this passage, that this is the work of a sovereign God. So Boaz, who owns this field, will come to know was a close relative of Ruth's, uh, Ruth's deceased husband, and also of Naomi's deceased husband. This godly man, look at how he was introduced back in verse 4, right? The Lord be with you is how he greeted his workers. A respected man, a man of God, a man of character, likely of wealth and honor, a man that became pivotal in the life of Ruth and also in the life of Naomi. So this man sent of God happened to directly inquire of his foreman about the presence of this woman in the midst of his workers. You see that in verse 5 where he says to the worker, whose young woman is this? Now we can speculate as to his interest in her, right? And we'll know more about that relationship in upcoming weeks. I'm not going to introduce a spoiler here. Um, But it's most important that he has given his attention to her at all. Remember, she's a Moabite. Recall from our point in the text here of providential protection, right? Providential protection specifically as we see it given to Ruth. And consider how these events have transpired over what has likely been years, right? So Ruth, a Moabite, not of God's people, marries a transplanted Jew in Moab. He dies, and then she endures famine for a number of years. She travels back to Bethlehem, apparently without any protection, certainly without a husband. There have been days of travel there, and she happens into this field owned by a man close kin to her dead husband. And the man shows concern for her. We ought to be amazed by that. And we read on in verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. And they go on to the middle of verse 9. He says, Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? This is providential protection. Boaz calls for Ruth to stay close, to stay in the field that he oversees that's in his charge to have declared that no men are to assault, harm, insult, or ridicule her. Remember, she's a Moabite woman. Racial racial scorn would have been anticipated and expected in this case. But why not? Well, some background about the Moabites' uh, relationship to God's people. You can look in Genesis 19, verse 37. This passage describes events after the fiery destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, where Abraham's nephew Lot and his daughters were preserved. The origin of the Moabites is from the illegitimate offspring of Lot and his eldest daughter, a son named Moab, and the Ammonites from Lot and his youngest daughter, a son named Ammon. Then in Deuteronomy 23, 3, The law was given that restricted God's people from assembling with the Moabites and condemned their idol worship. So so their view and disposition towards a Moabite would have been informed by this law and it would have been anticipated and expected that, well, the Jew would have been less than friendly to a Moabite. 
Yet Boaz takes an interest in her and a concern for her. We do see here that Boaz is the instrument of protection for Ruth. But know that God himself has seen to it, even as Ruth happened upon the field of Boaz. So friends, we can view these events as happenstance or chance of chances, random, without purpose. But God has given us knowledge of this story to reveal his care and his abiding with us, all according to his plan and purposes. We witness that Ruth endured much difficulty, much trial, much pain, much suffering, but God protected her. Do you know what God do you know God's protection in your own life? So in light of that, consider these questions for your own life. Though you may have endured great suffering, shouldn't you reflect that God is still your protector? Though your circumstances may lure you to fear, this scripture is encouragement for us that God is protection from fears, from fears that are tempting to root and rule in our lives. What is it that you're fearful of? Though your environment or your current situation may be less than ideal, and I think we probably all would frame our situations as less than ideal at times, but do you trust that God is sovereign? Do you trust that he is willing and able to extend care and protection for you? I'm here to tell you that he does and he will, and his scripture reveals that to us today. And all along the way, God desires to meet our needs graciously and abundantly, which leads to this, his providential provision. The famine and hardship were real for the transplanted Ruth and Naomi. Food was a paramount concern, a paramount paramount need for them right now, and most of us can't even fathom that in our situation, in our culture, as this country as a whole. Consider the contents of your pantry, of your refrigerator, maybe the contents of your extra refrigerator in the hallway or in the garage, or what you're considering for your meal after church today. Let's reflect on that provider in our own lives. Ruth, this foreigner in a foreign land, had nothing, but she happened upon the field of Boaz. And you know, the timing was pretty neat here too because when did she happen there? Well, back in chapter 1, verse 22, it was at the beginning of the barley harvest. It wasn't in the dead of winter. It wasn't when there was no grain uh, to be had. She went to work. And very likely it was subtly, as the poor often did in this agricultural community where they were gleaning in the fields where harvest was taking place. Again, in verse 3, she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And you know, God, through his Mosaic law, had given specific provision for this gleaning and provision for those in need. A couple of passages in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22 God says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. 
it shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. But he also gives command in Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. We immediately see that Boaz is the instrument of provision for Ruth and for Naomi. The right man, the right landowner, the right place, the right time, all in God's provision. We don't know where Ruth began her gleaning in the fields, but we know where she ended up, right where God wanted her to be. The subtle cues of God's hand are evident as we look critically at this passage. Even how Boaz addresses his foreman when asking about Ruth reveals how he is inclined favorably towards Ruth. Remember verse 5, he says, Whose young woman is this? Now, obviously, she caught Boaz's attention um, because, you know, she was someone that wasn't normally in the field, right? And culturally, ethnically, he probably recognized her. And his interest could have been sharper. It could have been less than attractive, an inquiry about this foreigner. But we see something in the manner in which Boaz enters the scene as one that reflects the man that we were introduced to back in verse 1, a man of standing, a worthy man, a man of character. Yes, it could have gone very differently. A landowner's response to an impoverished foreigner on his property, stealing from his crop, stealing from his profits. But the bit of insight that we have as to who Boaz is, this man of God, a man that likely knew and understood this Leviticus 19 passage, and he sought to live in accord with it. God's provision through Ruth, through the acts of Boaz, become clear. Boaz extends that care and provision to Ruth. We see that more in verse 8 and following. Verse 8, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. And skip to the end of verse 9 here. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So this provision for gleaning and Boaz extending that opportunity to Ruth surely offered her real assurance. But there's even more about the Lord's provision here, an abundant provision. We see it in verses 14 through 16. So this scene is occurring at a midday meal where the workers come out of the field to have a meal, to take a break, to take a rest, all during that harvest time. In verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her the roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she arose to glean, Boaz instructed young men, the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her. And leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. We can say wow to that, 
right? Again, there's this foreigner in his fields that he has approached in a kind way and he has allowed her to glean and glean abundantly. So there's a not-so-subtle message here about God's care and provision. And ponder these questions in your own life. Do you see God's care and provision in your own life? Do you know that he cares and is at work meeting your needs? And again, reflect on Ruth and these years that have transpired and how he met her needs along the way. Do you recognize that you might be an instrument of his grace, a means to provision of provision to others that might have need, like Boaz was in this account? Or do we simply, even sinfully, overlook the needs of others around us? So reflect as you would act as Boaz did here, meeting the practical needs of others and when you see those. The care and provision modeled for us by Boaz directly reflects God's providential provision in our own lives. And God is certainly about meeting those practical needs. But coupled with that is his concern for us in a greater sense, right? To expose his loving kindness to us, to show us refuge. Our third point, God's providential refuge. After this provision for gleaning in verse 9, the provision given by Boaz to Ruth, we see in verse 10 and following uh, more about this provision. From verse 10, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. You see, Ruth is amazed at this provision. She is awestruck by it. And her response is to bow to this God that she has come to know, the one that she has called her God. But she knows who she is, at least culturally, ethnically. She felt certain of her status as a Moabite, a foreigner, not a servant of this generous and kind man, Boaz, and certainly not one that should have received any favor from him. But Boaz frames his response and perspective as one of God's own. He acknowledges Ruth's care of Naomi, her widowed mother-in-law. He acknowledges her hardship, she herself being a widow, abandoning the ways of her family, including uh, leaving all of them in Moab, denouncing those Moabite gods and seeking the one true God of Israel. And she said that back there in chapter 1, verse 16, your God shall be my God. Boaz describes this provision of care aptly 
in verse 12, a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz speaks these kind words to Ruth, possibly the first kind words she has heard in a long time, probably since leaving Moab, even for some time before that. But look, folks, this is our hope, too. Speaking of God, his protection, his provision, his refuge revealed here is not to one of the children of Israel, but to a foreigner, to this Moabite. This is huge, and it reveals specifically that God is the God of all. This is our hope. And the kind words that Boaz spoke to Ruth and his actions toward her demonstrate what was known as hesed. Hesed. Now commentators, commentators express that this Hebrew word is difficult to translate. But a translation includes elements of love, grace, mercy, kindness, compassion, generosity, and overflow of God's faithfulness towards his people. R.C. Sproul said of this word, there may be no more significant Old Testament description of how God relates to his people than this Hebrew word has said. I argue that the best translation of this term would be loyal love. God loves his people genuinely, immutably, loyally. Both the love and the loyalty are, of course, tightly bound together. That is, just as one cannot leave one cannot love capriciously, so one cannot be loyal without love. God is for his people and will never, never cease to be for them. We see here that Boaz demonstrates this to Ruth. And this points to the God who does so uh, toward all those that he loves. So again, let's reflect on that term, has said. The Lord has shown his, has said, his faithfulness by providing refuge. God has revealed a picture of his said to us. And we see the said that Boaz has shown to Ruth. Yes, practically, Boaz did these things for Ruth. He met her practical needs because he was a man of God and he did so for Ruth's benefit. But God wants us to comprehend his said for us also. Do you seek God's provision of refuge? Are you aware of your need for it? Friends, most of us are unlovable in many aspects. Our actions, our lives leave plenty of room and reason why someone would not love us or care for us. We are undeserving of any favor. We do not merit this refuge but God in his mercy offers it to us because he loves us. And yes, in our struggles, we get kind of caught up in our sinful way. But Lamentations 3.22 helps right our thinking. Speaking of God, his mercies are new every morning. As we follow this story of Ruth and see the activities playing out, we see the hints of a relationship between Boaz and Ruth to come. And the impact that a godly man has on others is certainly important and full of application for us. But be keenly aware of the sovereign work of God over all of these events. Just even think about last week where we saw 
the darkness that Naomi endured, right? When she returned to Bethlehem and the women were calling out to Naomi, and she responds in chapter 1, verse 20, Call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. But she still reflects on an Almighty God, El Shaddai. She acknowledges that God was behind all things. And we see the refuge of God revealed to Ruth and to us under the wings of his care. Today is a day to acknowledge that you are in need of God's provision of refuge. You may be in a place where the world offers no refuge to you. You may sense that you don't deserve such kindness. You're right. We don't deserve it. None of us does, but God offers his said, his loving kindness, in that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sake, to bear the burden of our iniquity, to take the punishment for our imperfections, for our sin, so that we might have refuge, that we might have salvation, guarantee of his said forever. God calls you to that today. And may you respond to his invitation today. And visitor, if you don't know who this God is, if you've not experienced a loving kindness, this has said, God will reveal that to you. And may a spirit do a work in you today so that you can experience his has said. Pray with me. Our Father, as we hear the truth of your word, Lord, as we experience the provision that you have given us in our own lives, we witness the provision that you have given to Ruth in this story. And Lord, as we have experienced the protection that you give us day by day, Lord, may we not take it for granted. Lord, may we reflect upon your sovereign hand in all of these days before us. And Lord, for your refuge, Lord, we are grateful for the refuge that you offer us, the salvation that you have offered us through your Son, Christ. Lord, that we would experience that to the full. And Lord, out of that fullness, it would overflow. That we would communicate that loving kindness to others around us, in our community, and in our midst. And Lord, to the foreigner here today, Lord, for the one who knows you not today. Lord, we ask for your spirit to do a work in their lives. Lord, just that they may experience the God who loves, the God who saves this day. In Christ's name, amen.